Right, guys, let's dive in to our message from Acts chapter 1. Leo Carter was a shy, soft-spoken, 17-year-old veteran of the Chicago's grittiest neighborhood. His testimony would end up putting three killers in prison. And he was still carrying a 38 slug in his skull as a grisly reminder of the horrific saga that, that he witnessed as Elijah Baptist gunned down Sam Blue, who was a local grocery store owner. Leo and his friend Leslie Scott were playing basketball when they saw Elijah Baptist, then 16, who had 30 arrest warrants on his rap sheet already, shoot down the grocer that they had known their entire life. And Leo had known this grocer since he was a kid, and he said when he didn't have any food, this grocer gave him some. And so when I went to the hospital, Leo said, and he heard that he was dead, he knew right then that I had to testify to what I saw. Friends, eyewitness testimony is a powerful thing. It's one of the most dramatic moments of a court case and a trial when a witness describes in detail the events that they saw and then with confidence points to the defendant. Lee Strobel recalls this account in the opening of his book, Case for Christ. The disciples here in Acts chapters 1 and 2 were eyewitnesses to the greatest event in human history, and soon their testimony would turn the world upside down. These ordinary people were testifying to the acts of an extraordinary God who had been raised from the dead. Today, we're continuing our series called The Movement Begins. And for the next couple of weeks leading up to Pentecost Sunday, we are going to look and see how God started a movement that is the church. It starts here in the book of Acts, but this movement continues even to this day in and through us. Today, we're going to see how we too are called to be witnesses to Jesus, to the lost in our community and around the world. So if you have your Bibles, if you would turn with me over to the book of Acts. Acts is the fifth book of the New Testament, comes right after John. We're going to be in chapter 1 there. It's on the right side of your Bible. Acts uh, is part 2 of Luke's writing. Uh, the Gospel of Luke is part 1. Acts is part 2. It picks up where the Gospel of Luke leaves off. Acts chapter 1 is where we're going to be, and starting in verse 7 here in just a moment. If you don't have a Bible... We would love for you to take one. We have some on the back table. Take one as a gift from us. We'd love to give you a copy of God's Word for you to read on your own. Acts chapter 1, and we're going to start there in verse 7. He said to them, this is Jesus, It is not for you to know the times and the dates the Father has set out by His own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Keep that verse in mind as we go forward. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them from their sight. They were looking intently into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood behind, beside them. 
Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. So let's pause here for just a moment. So here we have Jesus' final commands to his disciples. And he tells them that as followers of me, you're going to go and tell everyone that I have risen from the dead. You're going to go to Jerusalem and tell everyone in Jerusalem that I've risen from the dead. You're going to go into Judea and tell everyone in the region of Judea that I've risen from the dead. And and Samaria, even the place that you've been told your whole life to avoid, you're even going to go there and tell them that I have risen from the dead and even to the ends of the earth. Now, some of you may know, but the New Testament of the Bible was originally written in the Greek language. And then reliable men have translated from the Greek to English, which is what we're reading here this morning, right? Um, And so the Greek word that we have here for witness is a word that we transliterate into martyr. That's the same word. This word that's here for witness is the word that we would say martyr. And that word literally means a legal witness. The word martyr means a legal witness, But for us today, when I said that word martyr, what's the first thing that you think of? You think of somebody who has given their life for something that they believe. And that's because what we see with these early legal witnesses of Jesus is that many of them ended up suffering and even dying because they were a legal witness to the resurrection of Jesus. And so for us, when we now hear that word martyr, we automatically think of someone who suffers and dies for their testimony and their belief. In fact, we see this in the New Testament starting already. Paul shares in Acts 22.20, he says, when the blood of your witness or martyr Stephen was being shed. Paul says that he was standing by, approving and watching their coats. And then in Revelation 17, 6, uh, John records what he's seeing there. And he says, I saw a woman drunk with the blood of the saints and the blood of the witnesses or martyrs of Jesus, right? So even from the very beginning, these witnesses of Jesus were ended up giving their lives for their testimony about who Jesus was, And so, these legal witnesses were martyrs. So after Jesus ascended to the Father, the group gathered once again in the upper room, that same room that they had gathered with Jesus just a few weeks before, and he had broke bread and told them that he was getting ready to suffer and die. They gather once again in the upper room, and Peter stands up and he says, Guys, look. We need to replace Judas. Judas is the one who had betrayed Jesus and then had ended up taking his own life. So Peter stands up and says, hey, we need to replace Judas and have someone to be an apostle and join the other 11 as eyewitnesses of Jesus. And we see this in verse 21 of Acts 1. Peter says, therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who has been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us beginning from John's baptism to the time that Jesus was taken up from us, for one of these must become a witness, martyr, with us of his resurrection. So it was important for this new apostle to have been an eyewitness to all the same things that the other 11 had been. 
to have been there from the time of Jesus' baptism all the way to that moment that we just read in verses 8 and 9, right? That Jesus was ascended into heaven. They were to be reliable legal witnesses of Jesus' life, of Jesus' teaching, of Jesus' death, and his resurrection. And we're going to talk a little bit about why that's so important. But through prayer, they select Matthias to join in this apostolic ministry to replace Judas. Now, we've got to remember that these guys, they were living in a time before the New Testament was written. They were living out the New Testament, right? We're reading the historical events of what they were going through, but they didn't have these documents that we have as the New Testament to to show their testimony. And so literally, these 12 guys were sharing their eyewitness testimony to people about who Jesus was, about what he taught, about his life, his death, and his resurrection. And so they would need to make sure that this guy that was going to replace Judas was going to be a reliable legal witness. These eyewitness accounts through the power of the Holy Spirit would become what we now have as the Gospels, as Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's the testimony that these 12 were speaking to, what we have recorded for us. And then the rest of the New Testament is how we are to respond to the information in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? How do we respond to the truth that Jesus is the Messiah, that he did raise from the dead? How do we live in response to that? That's what the rest of the New Testament is about. If you want to kind of sum up how the New Testament is, it tells us how we are to live and what we're supposed to do, the mission that Jesus has given us. So Jesus tells them there that they will be his legal witnesses, his eyewitnesses, and that they will testify about Jesus in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth, that Jesus had risen from the dead, that Jesus truly is the Christ, the Messiah, the one that is sent by God. Jesus calls them to go and to share this message. But friends, here's the reality for us. Jesus has given us this very same mission to go and to be his witnesses in our Jerusalem, in our Judea, in our Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. Now, it might help for us to understand what Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth were, right? Because we may not know, right? So Jerusalem, for these guys, was where they were. It was their home base, They had gathered and stayed there in Jerusalem for for those 40 days and waited till the Holy Spirit came that we'll get into next week. Um, But they waited there in Jerusalem. This was their home base. Judea was the region that Jerusalem was in. It was kind of the surrounding areas that kind of encompassed the whole area that Jerusalem and all these other villages and towns were in. And then Samaria was a place that for most of these Jewish people, they had been told their entire life to avoid. It's kind of the sketchy areas that they were told to to not be in. So Jesus says, hey, you're going to be my witnesses not only in your home, not only in the region, but even in those places that you've been told to avoid your entire life. You will be my witnesses even there and even to the ends of the earth. So what's our Jerusalem? What's our home base? Well, for many of us, the city that we're sitting in right now is our home base. Base is our Jerusalem. 
for many of us, that's Washington. Now, Washington has about 9,500 people who live within the city limits of Washington. And of those 9,500 people, 70% of them are lost. Let me let that sink in for just a minute. Of your coworkers, your neighbors, your family, your friends, the people who play on your kids' ball teams, the people that you eat with at restaurants, that you shop with at the grocery store, 70% of our home is far from Jesus. That's not another country. That's right here. 70% of our Jerusalem is far from from Jesus. 70% of our Jerusalem. Now, our region... We might consider that Beaufort County. There's about 45,000 people who live in our Judea, in our region, in our county. 70% of the people who live around us are far from Jesus. Man, what a great opportunity for us to be witnesses of Jesus to the lost. And we don't have to go on a foreign mission trip to carry out the mission that God has given us. We can start right here in our homes and be witnesses for Jesus in our Jerusalem, in our Judea. In fact, here at Journey Church, we say it like this. We say that we want to help everyone discover their relationship with Jesus. And when we say everyone, we mean everyone. We mean anyone. No matter what color skin they are, no matter what their background is, no matter what their past is, no matter who their family was or isn't, any of those things, none of those things matter. We want to help everyone discover their relationship with Jesus. And friends, we are all called to go and to be witnesses of Jesus. And we need to start in our homes. And we need to start at our workplaces. And we need to start in our schools. And we need to start in our neighborhoods. And we need to start in our gyms. And we need to start at the restaurants that we go to. We need to start with our friends and our family. This is where we need to start. We need to start in our Jerusalem. Because in our Jerusalem, 70% don't know Jesus. This is where we need to start. But how do we start? How do we start making disciples for Jesus? Well, I believe that we can start and help everyone discover their relationship with Jesus by starting the same way that Jesus started. You know, Jesus started by building authentic relationships with sinners. We see this all throughout Jesus' life. But I think Mark chapter 2, verse 15, really encapsulates this truth about how Jesus made followers of him. It says, while Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. Jesus spent time with, built relationships with, had dinner with, Sinners. He built relationships with sinners. And we see this over and over and over again in Jesus' life that he built relationships with people who were lost. 
with sinners like Levi and Zacchaeus and so many others. Friends, if we are going to make disciples of Jesus, we need to start where Jesus started and we need to build authentic relationships with the lost. Now again, here at Journey Church, we say it like this. We say that all of us, not just some of us, but all of us, go out and build authentic relationships with the lost to communicate the gospel of Jesus. And we start in our community and even around the world. Friends, I wonder of the 45,000 people who live in our county, who live in our Judea, I wonder of how many of them, how many of them do you already know? How many of them do you already have relationships with? How many of them are your coworkers? How many of them are your family? Are your neighbors? Are your classmates? Are your teammates? What would happen if we began to see our relationships with others as an opportunity for us to carry out the mission that God has given us? How would it change how we relate to other people? What if we intentionally built authentic relationships with people in order to share the gospel of Jesus with them? Friends, I want to challenge you this week. I want to challenge you. Don't don't agree to this until after I get done, but I want to challenge you this week. Will you write down the names of two or three people that you know who don't know Jesus? Would you write down their names? And then on top of writing down their names, would you begin to pray for those people this week? Would you pray every single day for those people by name? And I'm going to give you what to pray. Would you pray that God would provide opportunities for you to share the gospel? Will you pray that God would open up their hearts for their need for Him? And then would you pray for God to give you the words and give you the courage to share the gospel when he provides his opportunities? Would you do that this week? Would you list out two or three people that you already know who don't know Jesus? And would you begin praying for them by name? Praying that God would give you opportunities to share the gospel with them praying for for God to open up their hearts for their need for him and praying for God to give you the words and give you the courage that when he opens up the opportunities to, to share the gospel with them. Would you do that this week? Now, if you're struggling to think of someone that you know who doesn't know Jesus, then I want to challenge you a little bit different. I want to challenge you to Take a look at who you're hanging out with. Maybe change some of your friends. Maybe change who you are eating with, who you are spending time with. Change who you're spending time with and eating with. Because if we are going to bear fruit of making disciples of Jesus, then we need to go to where the lost are. And friends, we don't have to go very far. They're right here in our home. 
We need to seek and to save the lost. And it starts with us first seeking them out. We must go to where they are. But friends, can I be honest with you this morning? The church in America, we've chosen a different approach to make disciples of Jesus. You see, we've chosen an approach that's different from what we see in Scripture. We say, come and see. We say, come and see. Let me tell you what I mean by that. We invite people to come to church so that somebody else can tell them about Jesus. But friends, not only is this ineffective, but this is not what Jesus has commanded us to do. He didn't say to us, go out and tell people to come and see. He said, go and be. He says to go to where the lost are and to be followers of him and show them what it means to be a follower of Jesus. He tells us to go and to be. He shows us by eating with sinners, by building authentic relationships with them. But we can't stop with just building relationships with them. We must also be witnesses of Jesus to them, even though it may mean suffering for us. What would happen if instead of us saying, come and see, that instead we go and be? We go to where people who are lost are and we bring Jesus to them. We go and we make disciples of them. We go and we build authentic relationships with them to help them discover their relationship with Jesus. How much greater of an impact would we make for the kingdom of God if instead of us saying, come and see, we go and be followers of Jesus and we go and make disciples. We meet people where they are. So it starts with us going and it starts with us building relationships with people. But what do we tell them? How do we share the good news of Jesus with them. Well, friends, there are many different ways to share the gospel with different people, and we have some great resources. I'm going to be sharing some more of them today on Facebook and Faith Life, but on the back table, we have these little cards called Sharing the Gospel, and I keep one in my Bible and just kind of walks through the book of Romans and As you are building relationships with people, man, a good way to share the gospel with them is just, hey, can I open up the Bible and tell tell you a little bit about who Jesus is? You know, people that you have built relationships with. Um, I'm going to be sharing some other resources. I shared them a a number of years back called the 411 of discipleship and just kind of a process that talks about some of the things that we've already talked about, about uh, listing out some of the people who are in our sphere of influence and praying for them by name and, and then how to share your story with them in a quick way. And, and really, I believe that one of the best ways that we can share the gospel with people is simply to share our testimony. Now, that's a kind of a church word, isn't it? Our testimony. Um, what does that mean? Well, our testimony is simply our story. It's your story. It's your story in how you came to know and to follow Jesus. Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, he says, But in your hearts reserve Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks uh, ask you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Now, those, key, those last words are key. Okay, We need to remember that. We, we need to always be ready to give an answer for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ 
And we need to do so with gentleness and respect. We always need to be prepared to give an answer and always be able to share why we follow Jesus and why he is our Lord and our Savior. And sharing our testimony is a great way to do that. A testimony can be described as your, your spiritual life story, your statement of faith, your map to your spiritual journey, a photo album that reveals your thoughts about Jesus. Basically, your testimony is a story. It's your story. It's your story about you and your relationship with Jesus. And so friends, if you are a follower of Jesus, that means that there was a time in your life that you weren't a follower of Jesus. None of us were born followers of Jesus, even though for some of us that grew up in the church may feel like that, right? Um, But the reality is that none of us were born followers of Jesus. So there was a time in our life that we weren't followers of Jesus. So how did you get from there to where you are now as a follower of Jesus? What was your life like before Jesus, how you came to know Jesus, and what has he changed about your life? Be sure to include the details about how you came to trust God and what led you to decide to repent and to be baptized and the who and the what and the when and the how and the why. They are all important details that even though all of our stories may be different, there are some similarities. And when we share our story with people who are far from Jesus, they will be able to connect and to relate to our story and maybe help them to open up their eyes to their need to God. So share your story. The important parts are your life before Jesus how you learned about Jesus, and what your life is like now. I said I was going to share some resources. One of those resources that I'm going to share is called, um, I forget what it's called, but it's a, a testimony worksheet. And basically it just has some questions, kind of as you're working through and writing out your testimony, kind of things to help jog your memory of those times when you came to know Jesus and what your life was like before. But as we wrap up today, I think it's important for us to see an example of this. And we see a great example of this in Scripture in the book of Acts, in Acts 22. And in fact, Paul shares his testimony a couple of different times throughout the book of Acts. And it's interesting how he focuses on certain details with certain groups of people because he's built relationships with them. Sometimes that relationship is just him running for his life, but he's built relationships with them, right? And he's sharing his story. And sometimes he focuses on certain parts of his testimony that he thinks will relate mostly to the people that he's sharing it with. And so I think that's important too, because all of this comes in the context of relationship, right? We are building authentic relationships with the lost so that we can share the good news of Jesus. And one way to do that is to share our story. And so Paul, we have his story recorded a couple of times in the book of Acts. One of the times that he shares this here in Acts chapter 22, and he starts in verse 40, talks about his life before he came to Christ. He said, I persecuted the followers of this way. That was another name for the church, for Christians, for followers of Christ, followers of this way to their death, arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison. So Paul gives them a little glimpse into his life before he came to follow Jesus, right? He said, I used to, see the past tense is there, I persecuted. He's not continuing to persecute, right? When we come to Jesus, there's things that are going to be changing about our life. You know, sometimes I think we come and we follow Jesus and we keep everything the same. You see, Jesus changes us. Paul says, I I used to, (laughs) I used to persecute Christians, 
followers of Jesus. I, I persecuted them even to death and had, had them arrested. He shares his life before he came to know Jesus. And then he goes on to share how Jesus came to him on the road to Damascus and blinded him and then instructed him to go and find Ananias, who God had prepared to share the gospel with Paul. And Ananias comes beside this guy who was known for killing and arresting followers of Jesus. Could you imagine how terrified Ananias had to be? He knew who Paul was. And God says, go and tell him about Jesus. And so he stands beside Paul, this persecutor of the church, and listen to what Ananias said to him in verse 13. He says, Brother Saul, receive your sight. In that very moment, I was able to see. And then he said, the God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will, to see the righteous one, and to hear the words from his mouth. And you will be his witness, that word martyr again, to all people of what you have seen and heard. And now, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, wash away your sins, calling on his name. And immediately, Paul gets up and is baptized, and he washes away his sins, and he became a witness testifying to all that Jesus, what Jesus had done in him. And almost immediately, within just a few days, Paul starts preaching about Jesus. Transformation took place. He came to Damascus to have Christians arrested and persecuted. And then in just a few days after having an encounter with Jesus, he's now preaching about Jesus to the same people in the same city. He was becoming a witness, testifying to all that Jesus had done. And then God sent him not only to preach to the Israelite people, but also to the non-Israelite people, to the Gentiles. In Acts 22, 21, he says, Then the Lord said to me, Go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. So this is Paul's story. This is his life before Jesus. This is how he came to know Jesus. And this is what his life was like after. But what's your story? What's your story? And are you ready to share it? One of the things that we say here as part of our mission at Journey Church, is that we want to help equip each other to share the gospel with the lost. So Journey Church, let's get ready to share our story on how God has transformed us through Jesus. We need to share our testimony to people who are far from Jesus so that they can get a real-life example of how, to, to make, uh, how God makes a difference in someone's life. You know, many people who are far from God dismiss their need for God because they don't see how God is relevant in their, in their daily lives. But when we are able to share our story with them, it can help make it real and help them to see their need for God. So I encourage you to write out your story. Use the worksheet if that will help you that I'm going to share later. Gather your thoughts, and then I encourage you to practice sharing your story. Practice sharing it with your spouse. Practice sharing it with your life group. Ask your life group, hey, can, can I take five minutes before we get started, and can I just kind of share? I've been working on my testimony, my story. Can I just share that with you guys? Because let me tell you, not only are you going to get some great feedback in a safe environment, 
But I think you'll be surprised. And even though all of our stories may be different, I think you may be surprised how much even the people in your life group can relate to your story and your testimony. So practice. Man, I stand up in front of people every single week in, uh, for a living, right? So like I, I talk to people and I know how intimidating it can be to talk to other people. Um, but you know what I do? When I write my sermons even, I write them out on paper. I have a notebook, my sermon notebook that I write my sermons out. Then I type them up so I can have them on my iPad, right? And then you know what I do? I practice them. Before I ever stand up here in front of you guys, I practice a number of different times reading through my message so that, so that I, I can do the best that I can, right, to present this message. So write it out. Practice it. Larry Bird was one of the greatest basketball players of his time, but it didn't come without practice. While most of the NBA players would show up their, their required 90 minutes before a game, Larry Bird had already been there for two hours before working on his shot. Larry said that he never really counted his shots. He just kept shooting until I felt good. You know, we look at people like Larry Bird and Michael Jordan and, um, you know, Kobe Bryant, all these people, and we're like, man, they're, they're amazing talents on the basketball court. But what we don't see is the work and the practice they put in behind the scenes. You know, they become overnight success, uh, you know, uh, successes because of the years of work that they put in before. Friends, the same is true when we're sharing our story. It's not going to happen overnight. We've got to practice sharing our story. Practice it with our spouse. Practice it with a friend. Practice it with your life group. Practice it until you feel confident sharing your story so that when God opens up those opportunities that you're going to start praying for this week, that you're ready to share how Jesus has changed you with those people that you're building authentic relationships with. Again, I'm going to share some different resources this afternoon on Facebook and Faith Life, uh, Salvation Story Worksheet, the uh, 411 of Discipleship, and I encourage you guys to check those out as you guys are writing and preparing to share your story with people who you are building authentic relationships with. But friends, I want you to know this morning that Jesus has risen from the dead. And not only has he risen from the dead, but he has been raised to be the king of kings, and he wants to be your king. Jesus loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die in your place and to die in mine, to save you. And God is calling you today to come and put your trust in him, to come and repent of your sins, come and be joined with him in baptism to come and have your story changed. So friends, if you're here this morning and you are ready to have your story changed by Jesus, I'm going to be out in the lobby. I'd love to talk with you today or call or text me anytime. Journey Church, let's get ready to go and be disciples who go and make disciples of Jesus. Let's go and be witnesses of him in our Jerusalem in our Judea, in our Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. We pray with me. Father, thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the example of Paul, of Peter, of all the rest of these apostles who were your legal witnesses to your death, 
your burial and your resurrection. And Father, we thank you that we have their testimony for us in Scripture that we can go back and look at, to read and to learn from, to be changed from. Father, we thank you that not only have you given us your word to transform us, but Father, you've also empowered us as your followers with your Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that raised your son Jesus from the dead strengthens us. So Father, we ask now that you would use all of us to be your witnesses in our workplaces, in our schools, in our neighborhoods, to our family, to our neighbors and our friends. Father, help us to be witnesses. Father, we ask that you would bring revival in our city, that you would turn our city and open up their hearts to come to know their need for you and that you would use us as Journey Church to point them to you. Father, help us to be witnesses in the places that we'll be this week. Help us to point people to your son, Jesus, who can change our story. Father, be with us. Give us the words. Give us the courage to make you known to the people around us. Father, we ask all of this in your son Jesus' name. Amen.